as a kid, you yeah. really don't know what's going on. Like, mm -hmm. like to look at your mom bloody, mm -hmm. and then to look this way, and then to see your dad sitting mm -hmm. in the back of a police car with just rage on his face. Yeah, it's like confusing. Yeah, because you're looking at your dad like, like, how did you do that to my mama? Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Hello, hello. My name is Ibrahima Abraham Sise, uh, the creator and director of the Freedom Project. And today I have a very special guest with me. Uh, his name is Johnny Calloway, and he goes by Mr. Calloway today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before you know, we even get to the podcast, I want to share how we actually met. So uh, we both were part of uh, an, uh, uh, like a nonprofit organization called Fashion Honors Autism, and we were both like um, mentors for the event, so we we were helping, you know, kids kids with like autism to actually be able to walk on stage and just be confident and be able to uh, use fashion to help them fit in, and uh, while at the same time being the um, same version of themselves at the same time. So it's a pretty cool event. That's how we met um, initially. We didn't really like talk, but uh, during the second or the day of the fashion show is when we actually uh, spoke, but I had no idea what he does or who, who uh, I mean, you know, we just briefly talked and we both knew that we had kids until when I found him on LinkedIn. And that's when I realized that this guy is an amazing dude. I mean, back then I did realize he was amazing. I had a feeling, but it was like, I got to just learn more about him on LinkedIn. I was like, I need to have him on this podcast so that you guys can hear him speak. But first, uh, Mr. Calloway, I'm going to um, let you just uh, let our audience know who you are and what is it that you're doing currently. Thanks for having me on, on the podcast. Awesome. Johnny Calloway, born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, currently an actor, model, podcast host. Right. But, uh, all of those come secondary to being a husband and a father. Awesome. And just uh, using my platform to spread awareness about confidence. I, I believe most people in the world are lacking from, from self-esteem issues and self-confidence, and that's the root of most dysfunction and most unhappiness, is not believing in yourself. Definitely. I mean, yeah, um, just like to touch uh, quickly on this, like I have a habit of like talking too much in my podcast, but it, it, it's because, you know, I can easily like relate to people very quickly. But, you know, I, I, I also like went through that same process of, not knowing who I am, which took me forever to figure out who I am. So I'm super excited to, to actually touch on that. But um, uh, you, you mentioned that you're from Kansas City. Like, um, how did you grow up? Like, uh, did you uh, grow up in a big family or a small family? Uh, did you have, like, siblings? Um, so it was me, my mom, my dad, my little brother. That's, that's mm -hmm. all it really was. Mm -hmm. uh, extreme poverty. We moved to Kansas City, Kansas. Well, we moved to Missouri, Mm -hmm. When I was going into the third grade, we was living with my grandma. And then I remember my mom and my grandma got into it. And my grandma mm -hmm. kicked us out. And we went to stay at the, the City Union Mission, which is a homeless shelter down on 12th Street. Mm -hmm. We stayed there for roughly about two years until my mom got her Section 8. And then we lived on 41st in Virginia. And I got to live with my mom and my dad. So living in a homeless shelter is a unique experience, you know. You got to hide your snacks in your room and stuff like that. Then people come to your room and, mm -hmm. and check. Your mom has to go to, I think, two or three substance abuse classes a week. So as, as a kid, you really don't understand you're in a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, like, it's like recess 24-7 during the summer. You know, it's all these other kids to play with and all these um, 
activities to, to do and to be around. But mm-hmm. I, I will say I, I, I was embarrassed because, like, the school bus picked us up right in front of the homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to be picked up down the street. Like, yeah. in my brain, it was like, well, kids on this bus got to know what this building is because I know what this building is. Mm-hmm. And if they're watching me come out of this building, mm-hmm. then they'll know that we lived in a shelter. And I, I just – I wasn't comfortable. So I'll yeah. say my lack of confidence, it never was, it, it just came from the poverty that we were in. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, what exactly was the relationship like between you and your parents? Because uh, it sounds like, you know, they made sure that you were happy as a kid, even though going through that. Yeah. Um, my, my relationship with my parents was a really unique one. My dad to this day is my best friend. But mm-hmm. as a kid, I think we all kind of gravitate more towards our mothers and take yeah. our, our mother's side of things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in a homeless shelter, they don't allow your father to live there. Only the mother and the children. Wow. So I didn't know that. I could only see my dad, like, on the weekends. Mm-hmm. We would have to, like, walk down the street and see him. Um, just because it's the same as, like, government assistance. Can't be a man in a home. Wow. So, and then when we got our Section 8, it was the same thing that our father couldn't live there. And we had yearly inspections to where they would come by and inspect the home to make sure that a man didn't mm-hmm. live there. Wow. The coolest part, though, is that my dad did live with us, and mm-hmm. we just hid his stuff. Uh, one day every year, we knew when the inspection was going to yeah. be. We took all his shoes, all his clothes, wow. and put it in trash bags and we hide it. When he got older, we started putting stuff in my room, and I could <laughs> yeah. pretend the shoes that was mine and stuff. Wow. But, but that built character because I got mm-hmm. to see I didn't want nobody to be able to displace me as a man. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, I got to see how easy it was for so many women to kick mm-hmm. a man out if they didn't value him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I credit my mother, because though they had a dysfunctional relationship, my mm-hmm. mother knew that me and my brother needed our father to become a man. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. So so you as a little kid, like having to actually help your dad, like pack up because, you know, an inspection uh, um, is about to happen. Like, what was that experience like? What was going through your head? At the time, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I took more of my, my mother's view of things, mm-hmm. so I judged my father. Yeah, I thought he should have put us in a better situation so we didn't have to go through that. I thought he should have had a job to make more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all blame was placed on him, Yeah, unfortunately. Every, everything was his fault. I, I didn't appreciate him when I was young, but I, w- mm-hmm. I wasn't taught to appreciate my, my dad at all by my yeah. mother. Um, she made sure that I had a father in my life so I mm-hmm. could become a man. However, like, hearing her speak negatively about him, it did affect the way I viewed him for a, a period of time in Thanks. my life. Thanks. Um, and then in, once, I want to say I got about 12 or 13, mm-hmm. my mother actually started making me fist fight my father. So if they got into an argument or, you know, a disagreement, I wouldn't know what it was about. Mm-hmm. But my mom would, like, make me, like, physically fight my dad and actually – my senior year of high school, I mm-hmm. did not get to play basketball. Uh, I had punched my dad in the face, and I broke my hand. Mm-hmm. And basketball was my life. So me missing my senior year of basketball due to fighting with my father mm-hmm. behind something I did not want to be a part of. It was all of it. It, it always mentally affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side is looking back is my dad never hit me back. Like wow. the, all the times that my mother made me fight him, he never hit me back. And I, as an adult, I went, to, I went to him and asked him, why didn't he ever hit me? And he told me, he was said, because you were my son and I loved you. Mm-hmm. And as a man, that broke me. Yeah. As a kid, I just had anger and I had rage. And I feel like I, I was my mom's little, little bullet. 
Yeah. She could point me in whatever direction and I was taking off. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, y- y- you know, you like speaking on that. That's something that I've 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 actually seen like like in a bunch of like um research that we're doing for the Freedom Project where you know, little kids that are having to become men in kind of like in a in a house that doesn't have a dad and sometimes they have to do certain things to be able to like help the family like like basically survive because they're like the only son and the dad is not around always not allowed to be around so um uh take me back to that moment when you were a kid and having to defend your mom basically the family and even having to fight your dad like what what did you think that did to you as a kid or did it like lead you into something else uh man it affected me in so many different ways because i remember a few times like i would fight my dad mm-hmm. and then i would like stop and like would drop to my knees and crying and like praying like the god because yeah. i knew it wasn't right mm-hmm. and then there was other times like as i got older it made me just want to disconnect like i would fight him and then it would be over and i would understand that you know, I was just fighting him on my mother's behalf. Yeah. Like, the most unique part about domestic violence as I got older is when I was a little boy, mm-hmm. I viewed it as daddy is just this big, mean monster. Yeah. And then as I got older, I would watch, you know, my mother antagonize my dad for hours at a time and, mm-hmm. you know, point her finger at him and poke him in his head. I would watch him him get up and leave mm-hmm. and take a walk for an hour and come back and her still calling him names. Yeah. And then he would finally snap. Mm-hmm. And then he snaps, and then the police show up, and the police take him to jail. And I'm sitting here as an older teenager. I'm still confused because that's my daddy fighting my mom. Mm-hmm. But also, my mom was poking the bear for three hours straight. Yeah. So it, 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 as I got older, I, I got out of the kid mode mm-hmm. and slowly grew into seeing them as people and not as my parents. And yeah. The more I, I grew myself and saw them as people and, and not parents, mm-hmm. I gained more of an understanding for both of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what was your dad like growing up? Where did he grow up? Because, you know, I want to go back and, like, touch on the parents because usually domestic violence is a very, like, vicious cycle where the parents are affected, but they never dealt with it, and, and they, they have to have kids, and that same you know, process continues. Like, what was your parents' like past like? Like, where did they grow up? Yeah, so, man, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. So, mm-hmm. as an adult now, I've went back and asked my father a lot of questions that mm-hmm. I didn't know about him. Because I think a lot of us, we know a lot about our mothers as kids, but mm-hmm. not our dads. But Definitely. My dad had told me that his stepfather had beat his, used to beat his mom. And that one time that he had went in and tried to fight and protect his mom, and he mm-hmm. got beat up really bad by his stepfather. Yeah. So he had made a vow to himself that he would always protect his sons. Mm -hmm. So when my mom got pregnant, my dad told my mother that he would be there forever just Mm -hmm. because I was his boy and he wanted to protect me. And he told me he thought about leaving my mother millions of times, Mm -hmm. but the idea of not being around his son was what kept him there. So you fast forward and you have the the domestic violence situation between him and my mother. Yeah. And with me as the little kid now fighting the grown man. Yeah. And he said he would look at me and all the anger I had and he Mm -hmm. saw himself in me. And that's why he didn't fight me back. Wow. Yeah. So it it became full circle. Like I said, my dad to this day is my best friend. Mm -hmm. And I had to to go to him as a man and apologize to him for judging him because he... Mm -hmm. 
he could have walked out that door any day and never came back. Thanks. And I feel like real privilege is growing up with two parents. Mm-hmm. You know, poverty didn't hurt me, you mm-hmm. know, at all, because I had a dad to show me how to get out of every situation. Mm-hmm. And most situations that the young boys run into, mm-hmm. I was able to avoid because I had a father. Yeah. So I, I had to go back to him and forgive him. And, and you know, the always say is you want to give people they, they roses while they're still living. Right. And so that I'm really big on my mom. My mom was my everything when she was alive, and, and she mm-hmm. knew that. And I always um, gave her all the credit she deserved for raising sure. a strong son. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us overlook our fathers and and what how much they care about us and how much they want us to be successful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Wow. You know, I didn't even know that you know your mom had already passed. So, you know, how long ago was that? Uh, she passed in 2015. She fatally overdosed on opioids. She, I had that. talked to her that Monday mm-hmm. evening because her and my dad had watched my son. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say it was accidental that she took two pills mm-hmm. and that she demixed them. Yeah. But that's what put me on the path to be a better person, to really pay attention to my diet, to pay attention yeah. to what I'm putting into my body. Because health is everything. And, For sure. you know, one thing I always say is as much as it sounds uncommon mm-hmm. my mother passing was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me wow because it was you step up and you be a man or mm-hmm. you you fall into a, a ball and you cry because you lost your mom and i think as men we all know what our mother means to us mm-hmm. and with me losing to her i had to step up and show her that she raised a good son yep I, and and that's that so that's why i say it was the greatest thing that happened to me because if she's still living i'm probably still being a boy yeah wow so um uh, one thing that like stood out as we were talking about your mom, it, you know, it, it sounds like you had a, you know, a really good like relationship with her, like growing up. Uh, but like, can you like take us back and like share more on, you know, who she was, uh, like what what all did she had to do to make sure that you know you were okay, you know, your dad was around because that sound it sounds like she was also doing a, doing like a lot of things to make sure that you know you were okay just in general. Yeah, uh, my mom and dad, I always say is we're all just silly humans. Mm-hmm. Imperfect human beings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my mom's situation is a little different. Mm-hmm. My mother had originally gotten pregnant at 14 years old. Wow. She had that baby, and at birth, my grandmother made her give that baby up for adoption. So mm-hmm. somewhere in this world, I got an older brother mm-hmm. that I've never met in my life. Mm-hmm. And so my mom had me when she was 20, and I was the baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was the golden child, 100% up under her arms 24-7. So mm-hmm. my mother and father each were these people who wanted to protect their child with their life. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get it right with each other, yeah. like, like a lot of parents. So they both coddled me in a way where I was safe and secure. Mm-hmm. But because they had their own issues, I had to learn to disconnect from that. So, yeah. I mean, my mom... Um, you know, playing hangman, you know, reading mm-hmm. the encyclopedia, you know, doing crossword puzzles, mm-hmm. all of these little wordy, nerdy things, uh, yeah. watch, watching Jeopardy, mm-hmm. all of these things I can say I did on a consistent basis with my mom. I'm learning wow. how to fold clothes. Mm-hmm. So we had a good relationship, be- like me and her, is like mother and son, mm-hmm. just her and my dad. When they were good, they were good, but when they were bad, they yeah. were bad. Uh, <laughs> and that's, and that's kind of how it was because we had times where they got along really well and it was mm-hmm. a happy family. 
And it, then we had times to where it was it was a WWE SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it's like this sounds funny, but it's like so so like real because that's something that you know ha- it's like very common uh, in, in especially like the black community, like in general, like. Uh, but like in your case, uh, you as a kid and now being like an adult, what do you think was the problem between your mom and dad? What do you, why, why do you think they were, ha- they had such a, you know, like a very like hard like relationship, but sometimes it seems like they actually can't figure it out. What was the miscommunication there? Um, you are, you are what you attract, right? Yeah. And most people, when they face something traumatic in their life, they kind of mm-hmm. are stunned at that age. Yeah. So I look at my parents and I see two codependent people yeah but being codependent is never good because the same person who you love is the same person you hate yeah and that's what i see in my parents i don't think that they were healed Mm -hmm. if either one of them would have knew about the option of therapy or Mm -hmm. or just meditation or or yoga or even just not smoking and drinking on a daily basis to have some type of clear-minded level-headedness of what we're doing Mm would have been better but when you live in survival mode, you don't think seven days away or, or two weeks away. You think next day, next mm-hmm. week, next not even next week, but next hour. Yeah. So I don't blame my parents for the things that they've done because if you know better, you do better. Yep. And as much as they had their own issues, I'm better put well better put together than 90% of the world because mm-hmm. of the confidence that my father put at me yeah. and my mother put at me. So I don't think there's a dollar amount that can really raise a healthy kid. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's just going to be we always talk about you know breaking the generational curses and gen- mm-hmm. breaking, you know, and creating generational wealth. And my parents, they broke the generational curse mm-hmm. even if they didn't intend to because they stuck together to raise their children. Yeah. And that's what I got from them overall. My mom used me as a crutch mm-hmm. for sure. Like, I, you know, you hear the, the term uh, son, husband. And, <laughs> and, you know, my mom had me doing everything. I was paying her rent. Uh, mm-hmm. I was paying her cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's why I say I couldn't fully grow up when she yeah. was alive because oh, I, I still yeah. was up under doing things for her. her. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when she was gone, it finally was like, well, I get to figure out who Johnny is now. Yeah. And I don't have that stress of making sure mama has her, her bills paid or making sure mama need anything. So yeah. that stress going away helped me out tremendously. Mm-hmm. And then it, that made me turn to look at my dad and to mm-hmm. see, you know, as a man, you have yeah. to stand on your own. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, mm-hmm. there is nobody coming to save you or provide for you or take care yeah. of you. And so small things, I realized as a man that I can reach out to my dad for, you know, how do I put this together? You know, mm-hmm. what tool wrench do I need for this? Yeah. Just, you realize what you need as a man and that's why I credit my mother and I say the best thing my mother gave me was 100% access to my father my entire life. Mm-hmm. Because most young black boys, they, they 25, 26, and they're trying to develop a relationship with their father. You know, yeah. The average boy, if they lose their mother, it's, it's awkward talking to their dad. And yep. for me, that's my whole life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can remember uh, Derek Fisher hitting a shot left wing over the spurs mm-hmm. and i can remember running downstairs and jumping in my daddy's arm as a kid yeah wow and, and it was just simply because i was a huge lakers fan you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying but like memories like that it's like mm-hmm. 
when I was a kid, I held on to the domestic violence and the poverty and the not having lights and things like that. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, I can think about, you know, being a three-year-old riding on my dad's shoulders to preschool. Yep. You know, my mom making my favorite cake for my birthday. Right. You know what wow. I'm saying? Like, you, you, you disconnect from all the negative stuff, but you hold on to all the positive things mm -hmm. that helped you become the person you are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I I even, even like, you know, hearing you speak right now, you, you know, the fact that, you know, your parents... Even though, you know, they had their own issues together, but they made sure that you were okay. And, you know, those little, like, memories would, like, outweigh all the, you know, bad things or bad things. I'm, like, air yeah. quoting right now. <laughs> but, you know, that that definitely makes a huge impact in, in like, any kid's life. Because a lot of kids, I mean, any kid just wants to have two parents that can, like, listen to them. Even, even when they're not together. Just the fact that you have one male and female parent that are always there to like listen to you and and actually validate your own opinion because that that is something that I also had to learn when I became a dad where my son um, I'm like constantly just validating the things that he's doing and he's like only three years old but he he's so confident yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy how much confident he has so yeah but um, so tell me like a little bit about like basketball like how did you get into basketball like growing up uh, basketball it was, it may sound crazy, but it was probably like the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, my, the first time I played on a basketball team was my freshman year in high school. And yeah. I was just like kind of really good at it. So I mm -hmm. forced myself to be good at it. I used to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to the park mm -hmm. and be there till 11 p.m. midnight. I wow. would eat. My dad would walk down there and say, hey, your mama said you're hungry. Nope. You like I'm busy. <laughs> I used to take a belt with me to the park and I would tie my right hand behind my back so I can get good with my left hand. Wow. Uh, I used to tie my basketball in a plastic bag. I used to dribble in sand. Uh, I used to be outside in the rain. I would be at the park in the snow trying You're to dribble. dedicated. <laughs> I really wanted to be good. Like, yeah. I, anything I do, I want I don't want to be just like, okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I want to be like, I, like I don't have best. to be the, the Michael Jordan or the Tom Brady, mm -hmm. but let me get top five. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right? As long as you see me and you recognize I got some talent, that was, that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. And... Um, like having a home with domestic violence, you kind of need to escape anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I I, I never had the, the heart to go be one of the kids that wanted to be one of the shooters or the, yeah. the breaking houses or home invasions because mm -hmm. I knew right from wrong. You know, I had parents. I, I had decency, so I never felt like I needed to go to crime mm -hmm. to express myself as a man because yeah. I knew I was a man. I saw my dad. I saw my dad go to work every day. Yeah. But basketball became just something that um, – to build brotherhood, you know, like mm -hmm. when my, when my, with growing up in poverty is one thing and having parents that fight, you really can't be open. Yeah. You can't really have friends spend the night at your house. Uh, my parents never had a car. My mother actually passed away not knowing how to drive. Wow. Yeah. So everything we did was on the metro. Mm -hmm. So I was very limited to even interacting with the outside world. I always like to say I was like a, a hood Amish kid. Because <laughs> you know? Bannister Mall was out of town to me. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, Oak Park yeah, Mall ba was Bannister, like foreign, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. just because we didn't have no car. So you only know what's, what's, in, what's your in your circle. Yep. Yeah, so my, my, my view of the world was very flawed as, mm -hmm. a, as a young kid, especially with the – and then you get older and you start hearing the media about you can't go places and you can't do this, you can't yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. So it, it tainted me with the imagery of my parents being so violent towards mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. But the flip side is that is when I got older, the the narrative of like cops being dangerous didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I can remember, you know, my parents fighting like really, really bad one time and mm -hmm. I was probably like twelve 
and me just taking off and just sprinting down the street and not knowing where I was going really. Yeah. But seeing a cop car and flagging the cop down, it's like, hey, 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 help me. You know, my mom and dad are fighting and for the cop to put me in a car and draw back to the house. Like I have mm-hmm. memories like that of cops. Yeah. So while, while some people have, you know, they're, and I'm not, you know, negating anyone's experience, mm-hmm. but I know that cop potentially saved my mother's life that night. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can remember when I was 16 years old and a guy named Nate got shot on my front porch. Mm-hmm. It was a cop that came to pick that body up, you know, the paramedics and all that. Yeah. So I can just think from my perspective in the environment I grew up in, mm-hmm. I've always needed cops in that environment. And, yeah. and cops are the reason that, you know, that my, my mom didn't die multiple nights and that my dad didn't die multiple nights mm-hmm. because there was a cop or there was men to come up and break them two up in their situation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what would have happened if you would have sent a social worker yeah. to deal with my extremely angry father and my mm-hmm. my in- intoxicated mother on a mm-hmm. random Tuesday at, at 3 a.m. You know what I wow. mean? Yeah, wow. So so um, let's just go back to the point, you know, now that you like mentioned like the physical violence that happens uh, in your house, to a point that you, you have to run out and, and like go seek help. Like, um, how exactly, I mean, can, can you like break that down a little bit if you don't mind? I, I know, you know, it, it's like a little bit heavy topic, yeah, no, like no. explaining like what that looked like, like uh, how physical. As a kid, you yeah. really don't know what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. like to look at your mom bloody mm-hmm. and then to look this way and then to see your dad sitting mm-hmm. in the back of a police car with just rage on his face. Yeah. It's like confusing. Yeah. Because you're looking at your dad like, like how did you do that to my mama? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as a kid, I can also say you don't understand, and I'm never condoning violence. You just don't understand that you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Your mom knows how to push your dad's buttons in ways that you'll never understand. Mm-hmm. She knows how to get under his skin in ways that you'll never understand. So I, it's, it was easy for me in a, in a, as a child to say he should have just done this or he should have just done that. Mm-hmm. Everything in life is cause and effect. Yeah. You know, so you always understand that both parties play a role in every situation. Yeah. And that's not ever negating the situation or saying it's okay, but it's saying mm-hmm. how do we get to this situation in the first place? And getting to the root cause, you realize a lot more it was it was someone being provoked mm-hmm. than someone just getting off work and saying, Hey, I'm about to go beat up your mama today, you know? Yeah. Like to the world my dad was angry, but to me, and I guess I talk to him every day, my dad is I was a three-year-old riding on his shoulders to preschool, you mm-hmm. know. In the seventh grade, we went to Six Flags and got back at, like, 2 a.m., and he was at the school to walk me home. We didn't have mm-hmm. a car, yeah. but we walked home. So yep. who he was to his son is a different man than who he was to my mother. Your mom, yeah. But who I am to my children is a different man than who I am to their mom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I, as I got older, I stopped judging him for who he was to her, mm-hmm. and I accepted for who he was to me. Yeah, but I had to become a father myself before mm-hmm. I was able to separate. Yeah, I can see that. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I can. I, I feel like I also went through the same with my dad as well. Because you know, growing up, I never had like a like a, a good relationship with him. But you know, when I was a little kid, you know, he he would actually put me on his shoulder and we would like go around the street. But you know, as I grew older, becoming ten, twelve, and actually going through some things i didn't really know how to communicate with him because mm-hmm. we never like established that you know yeah. in the beginning so but yeah so um now that you are like older when did you like realize and you were like oh yeah that's trauma or that's anxiety or that's mental health like 
when 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 did you have that like realization with you and your family like in general um so to preface this at 18 years old mm -hmm. my first son passed away from a chromosome uh, oh wow issue called trisomy 18. Mm -hmm. so that was like the tipping point you know you're growing up in poverty mm -hmm. 18 years old my first son passed away 22 years old my second son passes away at SIDS at four and a half months wow so the average person never loses one kid. Yeah. Here I am, 22 years old, and I have two deceased children. Mm -hmm. So I took off work three days after my second son passed, and I went right back to work. Like, I didn't take any time to grieve or to process mm -hmm. it. I just kept going. And I knew to myself that something wasn't right. I don't think the world probably knew. Mm -hmm. But to myself, I was just buried in whatever. Mm -hmm. And then at 25 is when my mother overdosed. Wow. And the world kind of, not the world, but my mom's family expected me to fall apart. I was a huge mama's boy my whole mm -hmm. life. I actually had mama's boy tattooed on the side of my hand. Mm -hmm. And so with me losing my mom, the mother of my children, everyone kind of thought that I would just quit on myself. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, I, I had to show the world that my mother and father produced a solid, solid mm -hmm. young man. Yeah. I had to show my mom that I could stand without her. Mm -hmm. But I also had to show my daddy that I wasn't a boy anymore. Like I was yeah. a man, and I'm I'm your equal. Mm -hmm. I'm not your son. I'm your you know I'm on your level. Mm -hmm. And with that came you know one day at a time of 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 sitting in the room alone. Mm -hmm. You know sometimes it was sometimes it was tears. Sometimes it was smiling. Sometimes it was happiness. I would mm -hmm. just read over the text messages you know between me and my mom when she would tell me how proud she was of me and how much she loved me. Yeah. And that's the stuff that kept me going. Uh, I would go back and listen to the voicemails that she left me. Man, probably like a hundred times in a row, just mm -hmm. like to hear her voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, but that's what pushed me to keep mm -hmm. going is when I was in my darkest moments. Yeah. As I, I, I knew what the conversation that me and her had yep. that no one else knew, you know? So it was, you can't keep going. And in the mix of, of dealing with myself and facing my own trauma, mm -hmm. they just taught me that everyone's jacked up. Yeah. You know, I, I realized how much effort that I was putting on walking around with a mask on every day and, mm -hmm. and being at work and pretending I was all right. And then lunch break, going to the car crying because I miss yeah. my mama. Yeah. And then when I realized like everybody has something that bothers them, that has something that hurts mm -hmm. and they don't ever address it. They don't deal with it. Yep. So they just live this life of unhappiness. And I feel like you, gaining weight is a part of unhappiness. Mm -hmm. it's, it's mental stress. It's mental trauma. And once I accepted the fact that I missed my mom, mm -hmm. it's like I got better. Wow. Because I tried to convince myself that I was okay, that she died. Oh, I was mm -hmm. all right, she died. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I convinced myself that my first son dying didn't hurt me. I convinced myself that my second son hurt didn't, didn't hurt me. You know, I convinced yeah. myself that my parents having domestic violence didn't bother me. Because yeah. I think we all try to suppress our trauma as long as we can. Mm -hmm. And for me, my mother passing, like I say, it was, it was the tip of the iceberg. It was the best thing that happened to me because... I had to let everything out mm -hmm. and being that she wasn't there, it wasn't normally I went to my mom to com confide in her and then she would give me her however she felt and it, yeah. all, it would always come back sounding roses and peaches yeah. and it's okay. But when she was gone, it was me in the mirror. It wasn't nobody to pacify me. It wasn't nobody mm -hmm. to make a story sound better than what it was. It was just me and the truth. Yeah. And that's what I needed. And that's what started my journey for mental health and, I, one of the, the my favorite quotes I heard during my time of, of reading and, and, and developing myself mm -hmm. 
is everything is an, is an expression from the heart. Yep. So anytime that I walked around angry or upset, that was what my heart was. I had, mm -hmm. I had to look at myself and be honest and say I had a black heart. Mm -hmm. And then I had to look at all the things that I was consuming in my life on a daily basis. What was making my heart this way? Yep. And once I got into myself, everything I realized should be an expression of love. And yeah. that's what you, that's how you really become the person that you should be in life Definitely. is disconnect. And, it, and once you start consuming loving ideas and loving concepts, mm -hmm. then you'll naturally be able to address your mental health traumas naturally. Exactly. But if I'm consuming a bunch of negative things, mm -hmm. that's going to help me suppress what I'm dealing with yeah. and pretending I'm okay. Wow. Dude, like, um, you've, like, lost so much. And even you're, like, losing two kids. That's not something that I was even aware of. So I'm, I'm like, even mind blown the fact that you have, you know, literally whenever I see, I, I, I see him, he's constantly smiling. It's like having to go through all that and being able to function in general, like, that alone is a, is a huge win, you know, just on yourself. Because... You know, I love that you said that, you know, you had to accept all of these emotions because that's one thing that I, like on a personal level, also had to learn myself because I learned that I was very toxic, like uh, like due, due to trauma, PTSD, depression. And I was projecting how I felt literally on everyone else. And that made me a very toxic person. But I never accepted that I was because people are like, yo, you this is not okay. But I'm just like, nah, man, the, I mean, this is who I am. But like accepting that literally changed my entire life. I had a really bad stutter and now here I am. I'm just like, I can't stop talking. Right. <laughs> and, and now I have empathy towards other people and I can see that, you know, you know, just, just by talking to you in general. So right now, you know, as an adult, what are you doing? Cause you know, I've read uh, on like LinkedIn, you mentioned something about, you know, investing into the inner city and, and making sure that kids uh, don't have to go through like what you go through. Like, what exactly does that look like? Uh, so I'm in the works of, of trying to start some type of inner city organization for, for boys. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking ages maybe, I'm thinking 10 to 17 or mm -hmm. something like that. But maybe if it's just a book club. Yeah, I know. Or just a positive male to talk to on a consistent basis because... Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine being a boy in this world growing up without a man yeah. to, to give me some type of advice or guidance. Like I said, I didn't have the best father figure. He was an alcoholic, you know, mm -hmm. by world standards, you know, doesn't read the best, doesn't speak the best. But I still had a manly figure mm -hmm. to show me what to do. I, Tuesday, you took the trash out. This is how you change the brakes. Mm -hmm. This is how you change the radiator. This is mm -hmm. how you do X, Y, and Z. So I still had the masculinity put in me. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what I want to give young boys, not about being violent and, and, and gangster and tough. Yeah, definitely. But if you go read Booker T. Washington up from slavery, mm -hmm. why does a slave have better vocabulary than the average boy walk around in 2021? You know, just little concepts that if you gave to young people, mm -hmm. they would take the, take it upon themselves to, re, to accept the challenge. Yep. But we don't understand a lot of the information and history that is, that is passed us. So, Mm -hmm. I really want to start a book club, free, maybe free basketball training lessons here and there for children. Mm -hmm. uh, just give, I want to give confidence. Confidence yeah. is contagious. Definitely. And, and, and that's what's needed in the world is if everyone believed that they were the Tom Brady or the Michael Jordan of whatever their field was, mm -hmm. then we have a much better world than we have today. No, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, um, you know, me coming from Africa and then moving to America, that's one thing that I noticed, especially like in the black community. There's so many kids with so much potential, like with so much, like they're genuinely smart. And, but the thing is, 
the environment dictates how far they can go with that curiosity and you just giving them an opportunity to try something different like a book club that's something that you never see like you know um kind of like in the hood just in general no one talks about a book club so it's out of like going to parties or you know just like playing basketball again so you especially incorporating basketball then like book club it's 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 such a new a new concept i would definitely be you know, would love to be part of it because that's something that I am very much interested in. So, um, you are a dad, and how many kids do you have right now? I guess I can go in and make this announcement. Yeah. Uh, oh I, wow. I got I got six, seven on the way. My wife is is due. We haven't publicly announced it no, at all. No, that's so in, I don't well, know when it's going to be released. Man. Awesome. Uh, yeah, but uh, she's due in December, and we're having our our seventh. And being wow. a father is amazing. Mm-hmm. I have four children, really young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I tell them all the time I should have never created you, but they mm-hmm. all were the greatest blessings in my life because mm-hmm. each one of them helped me become a better wow. person. Yeah. And one thing I'll say about having kids is most people, when they have children, they say, oh, he looks like me or he acts mm-hmm. like me. But with every one of my children, I see my flaws. Mm-hmm. I see my insecurities. Man. <laughs> I see where I need to grow. I see my weaknesses. So my, mm-hmm. my children have made me a, a Superman. Like, yeah. As much as they think I'm great, they don't yeah. realize how much they've made me be greater. That's facts. You know, you know, with my three-year-old too, literally, you know, I see like all the bad habits that I, I still have that, he, you know, he's doing yeah. it. And I was like, okay, um, maybe I should work in this because yeah. this is not okay. Why is this little kid, you know, just like laying on the couch and, you know, just like saying no to everybody? Because yeah. literally I have, I, 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 usually on Thursdays, today's Thursday actually, I don't do anything yeah. and I don't want to be bothered. And he literally watches me, and now he's like doing it every day. I was like, okay, I need to uh, do this not, you know, in a very like different way now, because yeah. he's constantly just learning. He's just absorbing so much. So, um, I'm very honored that you actually announced that you're about to have a seven kid on this yeah. podcast. Hopefully, you know, your wife doesn't see. Oh, <laughs> it's no, like, she, why did you have she, to do that? She cool. <laughs> I actually was talking to my daughter on the phone. I was pulling up in the parking lot, and I told her, I was like, hey, I'm going to give you a shout-out on the podcast because uh-huh. one thing I do on my show is I, I close out every show mm-hmm. is uh, I give all my children a shout-out, and I do it right now. Jalea, yeah, do it, yeah. Jalea, Johnny, Jacoby, Jay, Drew, Georgia, Daddy loves all you guys. But, you know, in the, in the black community, there's this mm-hmm. concept of, you know, fathers don't love their children. Yeah. So I purposely wanted all my kids to have my initials because I love all of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I created you. I know I want you to be great. And mm-hmm. I don't want you ever to believe that your daddy doesn't want you to have the whole world. Yeah. So all of them have my initials because mm-hmm. you all are offsprings of me. And, you know, one thing we have is this is a partnership. When yeah. I go out in this world, I represent you. Mm-hmm. And when you go out in this world, you represent me. Yeah. So. All of them, you know, that's from the from the oldest to the youngest. Mm-hmm. They know what dad expects of them. Yeah. And everything I'm doing, every podcast, every TV show, every fashion show, mm-hmm. it's all to show my children mm-hmm. is they're going to grow up in a world that tells them that they can't be something because they're black. Yeah. And they're going to say, but yeah, I watched my daddy. My do daddy it. did it. So yeah, I mean, that's so that's awesome, everything man. I'm doing is to kill the noise. You know, yeah. I have two boys, um, Jacoby and Jace, to live in Dallas, Texas. So I don't get to have the relationship with them that I mm-hmm. that I want to. Yeah. But I understand that they'll grow up and they'll see these podcasts and they'll mm-hmm. see these videos and they'll hear their father's words from their father's mouth and mm-hmm. not what someone else wants Most, them to yeah. think of their father. And mm-hmm. I love those boys to death. I can't wait till I can hold them and kiss them again. Right. But, but they are my biggest motivation is for my children to, to watch Netflix and see their daddy's face right. or for them to turn on ESPN and see their daddy playing the celebrity basketball game. Yeah. That's my motivation. It's for my kids. But, oh, cause you know, like my dad worked under the table jobs mm-hmm. 
but here I am because yeah. he planted that seed that I can be great. So if I'm planting this seed, I have no idea how great my children will be. But no I know idea. it's going. I tell my daughter all the yeah. time, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to be. You know, she wants to. She plays soccer, mm-hmm. and I tell her I cannot wait to be sitting at your soccer game, on the sideline, yeah, with your jersey on, and you come screaming. over and sign it. Yeah. You know, I can't wait. And I'm and I'm planting that seed and I'm manifesting it because. Yeah. That's what I want. I want my daughter to be the professional soccer player that she wants to be. Mm-hmm. I want JJ to be the professional golfer or the WWE wrestler they want to be. Uh-huh. Um, Kobe, my, my Jacoby loves basketball. Mm-hmm. My Jace loves basketball. I'll tell both of them they're going to be in the NBA. So right? yeah. it's just I, I'm giving my kids the tools to, if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a, a surgeon, an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. whatever it is, there's no limit to what you can be. And, mm-hmm. and your dad will always be in your corner 100% to support you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I love that because, you know, us as parents, you know, it is our job to help to kind of direct our kids to become the better version of themselves eventually. Because that's something is not very common in the black community, if I'm being honest, where because usually parents are busy with paying bills. They're busy with trying to make the, you know, relationship work and the environment doesn't allow them to even be parents. So you you doing that for your kids right now, you know, that's something that I, I love to see for every black dad because me as a dad or just any dad in general just to be there for their kids and guide them um but yeah so i also saw that you were part of um uh uh, a bill that was passed in kansas city can you like share a little bit about that yeah yeah how did uh, you get into that crazy story (laughs) so i went to a a meeting it was uh i can't remember what it was but somebody had heard me talk Mm -hmm. asked me would I be willing to come to the Missouri Capitol and, and testify on behalf of school choice? Mm-hmm. And I'm pro school choice. Mm-hmm. I went to the Kansas City uh, public schools. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if my parents had an option to put me in a better school, they would have. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So this idea that parents don't want better, they just really don't know that there's options mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So the bill that just recently passed, which is HB 349, mm-hmm. that allows uh, Missouri Empowerment Scholarships mm-hmm. in, in Missouri so what that means is is you can get up to $6,075 each individual parent, mm-hmm. and you can take that money and you can put it towards private school education. Yeah. Or you can homeschool your child and you can put that money towards um, school supplies, mm-hmm. private scooter, yeah. private tutor, I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. foreign languages, whatever you want your child to excel in, mm-hmm. this is the time to, to do it. And, and that's the key to success. Yeah. I don't, you know, skin color isn't as, as big a deal. If you can do coding, you can do coding. Right. You know, so at some point we got to give these kids and we all would admit that a lot of children in inner city are super talented. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they come up with a new dance every six I months know, or a yeah. new TikTok challenge because they're very creative kids. Mm-hmm. What if you gave those same cr- kids options to create an app, mm-hmm. create their own type of computer, you know? It isn't that they don't know anything outside of basketball and rap. It's mm-hmm. that's literally the only things that are shown in those areas. Yep. So with this school choice bill passing, you know, hopefully we can get more children to have more options. You know, I'd say for my kids personally, they've only attended private school or charter school. Mm-hmm. My my both of my children speak three different languages. Wow. Um, and I graduate. I got a high school diploma. You yeah. know, so it isn't about <laughs> you need a certain type of money to mm-hmm. get your kids in these environments. It's no, as Just a parent. Access. You got to be willing to, what can I do to get my kids in these environments? Like, yeah. My daughter is in, her, her one of her classmates is Mayor Sly James' grandson. What? That's a connection wow. that she got lifelong. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's just different ways that we got to look at how to put our children mm-hmm. in the best position to succeed. And that is taking them out of the public schools mm-hmm. 
You know, you can talk all you want about critical race theory, mm -hmm. but if you change the curriculum, what does that do with 27 kids in a classroom? Yeah. It's still 27 kids. Mm -hmm. It's still an issue versus my, my children have never been in a classroom where it's more than 15 kids. Mm. So that's real life interaction with that teacher. Yeah. You really need help. That teacher sits with you until she can solve the problem. Wow. Not you're one of 30 and I just got to get you in and yeah. get you out. You know, and, Too, yeah. and that's the issue with our inner city schools. I don't think the inner city teachers are bad because I had some great teachers. But I had some class where it was 35 of us in the classroom. Yeah. What do you do? Too many kids. It's yeah. like just just us being parents. I only have one kid, and I'm like right. <laughs> having gray hair, and I'm only 29. So, so I, 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 I mean, I can imagine being in a classroom overwhelmed by 35 kids. But, yeah, that is such it, – it's like a very important bill that, you know, it, you know it, that, that is something that I feel like a lot of people in Kansas City aren't even aware of. Yeah. Is there like a strategy behind it to like raise awareness for it? No, because no. it was signed in law by Governor Parson, who's mm -hmm. a Republican. And so yeah. politics, and, and that's what I, I really dislike for black Americans, because mm -hmm. black people don't care about politics like yeah. that. We're not pro-Democrat or pro-Republican. we pro-getting out of poverty. Yeah, I know. But they Too use uh, our situation as, mm -hmm. a, as a hold. Mm -hmm. So let's say with this school choice bill passing, yeah, this is great information with the black community, but... What if they learn about it and they start doing good? Well, yeah. then we can't just leverage them and say that you oppress and let us wow. come save you. So what I've learned about politics is it's mm -hmm. a dirty game, and it's meant to keep black most black people in line. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that because we all heard the Republicans are racist. Mm -hmm. Kansas City has had two Republican mayors since 1918. Mm -hmm. Two. Wow. I didn't know that. And if you look at every inner city, whether it's Chicago, Kansas City, mm -hmm. St. Louis, Baltimore, Atlanta, mm -hmm. Detroit, Oakland, they've all been Democrat run for the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. So my just thought process is, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over yeah. and expecting a different result, right? right? Yep. So what are we doing politically? Mm -hmm. and, and, and like I was telling, the worst part about this bill is that, that it's passed, it's available, and you'll have the, the parents of other minority groups, they'll find out about it. Mm -hmm. They'll Thanks. take advantage of these scholarships. They'll mm -hmm. put their kids in these special programs. And you'll yeah. look up five years, and it's skipped over to black community, and we have a bigger gap. Yep. And we'll say, well, this is because of racism, when it's not racism. It's yeah, lack it's of just, knowledge. Yeah. It's out there. you got to be willing to go find it. And mm -hmm. we have got caught up in this cycle of having leaders. I think yeah. that was the worst thing about the civil rights movement mm -hmm. is that we all looked for a leader. And then after the leader was gone, we just turned to the government. Yeah. And I think we all have to get back to the, we're all humans. We all have mm -hmm. God inside of us and everything that you see around you yeah. was created by somebody with two hands, two arms, mm -hmm. two feet and a brain, just like you. Mm -hmm. So once you get that, once again, that self-confidence, that self-belief in yourself, mm -hmm. you don't really care about the government assistance that much. You don't care yeah. about what the media is saying. Because you know within yourself that you can accomplish anything. Definitely. I mean, you know, d um, domestic violence is such a big, like, factor in the, in, in the black community in, in general. So congrats to you being part of the team that actually made that bill happen. Is there anything that uh, us as individuals can do to actually raise more awareness about this bill? Because this is the same problem that happens in mental health industry itself. There's so much money that, go, that goes to mental health funds. But... They don't have the resources. There's a lot of money, but they're not hiring the right people to actually let the community know that, hey, we have money to, to distribute to you guys, to help with education, to help with raising awareness. What can anyone do to help um, actually push this bill 
and, and actually raise awareness and you know for the bill to do what it's supposed to do without like politics interfering all the time uh, I mean, I, I would say really just talking to more parents about it, you know, mm -hmm. asking parents, are they happy with the, the school that their child is attending? Uh, yeah. Would they want their children to have access? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our parents, and it all ties together because when you're in a broken home, yeah, you're trying to survive. Yep. So most parents aren't taking the time to let me see what new pop what's out there, what's out there for yeah. my kids. Let me get my kid in a foreign language program. Mm -hmm. Let me get my kid a swimming lesson. So it's it's all a snowball effect mm -hmm. of not planning your life. Yep. Because if you have a, a kid consciously, me and this partner, we know what we want for our child and we're looking for the future. But if I have an accidental baby pop in my lap, mm -hmm. that throws off a lot of things. And that mm -hmm. takes three to five years to get back on track. So mm -hmm. I, I feel for a lot of parents that are in these situations because I always say I think most people are good people. Yeah. They just are in a situation where it's hard to slow down and fix it. And yeah. for, to fix any situation, if you put yourself in a bad spot, I know this for myself and you as well. Mm -hmm. You got to be willing to take two or three steps back. Yep. You got to humble yourself, you got to back up, and you got to see what you did wrong. Mm -hmm. But if you're still trying to move forward and you're never addressing the issue, it's going to mm -hmm. be a snowball effect of yeah. I'm doing good for six months and then another problem and pops up. And I'm doing good for seven months and another issue pops up. And that's because that issue never went away. Yeah. You just put another duct tape over it where it seems like it's mm -hmm. out the way. You know what I'm it saying? It just comes so, back. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So Dude. that's what I've learned. <laughs> no, like, my, you know, that, that, that sounds like the story of my life. Uh, I mean, eight years ago, literally, no matter what I did, it was, I mean, something bad was about to happen at any moment. That, that's because I, I wasn't aware of the, the, the issues that I had, uh, you know, especially on a mental level. I, I, I just was, was not, I mean, I didn't care, honestly. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I am alive and I need to do what I need to do. And I was like burning a lot of bridges and like in turn just hurting myself. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that bill is very important. I, I feel like you know, it's going to impact the community in general because that's the that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I, you know, I want to pass a bill that makes sure that mental health funds are actually distributed properly where, you know, they use marketing, they use advertising because advertising <laughs> literally, you know, it's like moving things, you know, it's making things happen, especially, for example, like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like everybody knows about it. Right. Why aren't we aware of funds that can actually number one help communities and and actually save a lot of kids from you know domestic violence like situation but it's like why why is that such a huge problem to push this it makes sense so thank you for doing that by the way so um we're getting close to the ending uh, i feel like we've covered so many different topics this is going to be super exciting for i'm just exci excited for people to like actually hear it, to like here's uh someone who went through a very you know, rough home, like growing up and, and actually experiencing domestic violence is able to grow up and, you know, figure things out and be able to become a, a, a basketball player. And then, you know, also becoming a very, you know, successful parent who, who, who already lost two kids and still is like thriving for, for good and be able to pass a bill that can save other kids. Like, that's amazing, man. Like, that's that that's that just makes me so happy and you also have a podcast and you are constantly you know talking about you know ways to actually better your own community and you know just talk about real problems and you kind of mix it with sports so it's like you have all these things going but you had such a troubling past growing up but still you didn't let that stop you from becoming who you want to be 
So yeah, I mean, I'm super proud of you. I've known you very, very, very briefly, so I don't know whether this this even matters. Me saying I'm proud <laughs> nah, of you, it's good. but yeah, dude, like I am. Man. I always say, man, I feel like my past <laughs> didn't ever happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you always hear that the universe takes you through something over and over again yeah. until you learn a lesson from it. Mm-hmm. And I can say everything that I've honestly been through, I've learned from it. Yep. And so as a kid, when you're in poverty, you're like, man, why are we this poor? Why we don't have this? Yeah. But as a man, I wouldn't trade my life for anything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade my parents. I wouldn't trade my brother. I wouldn't trade my baby mamas. I yeah. wouldn't. Because I needed every lesson because mm-hmm. I caused those situations myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that everything you go through, you attract into your life, mm-hmm. you start paying more attention to the way you carry yourself. Definitely. The way you conduct yourself. Yeah. I really pay attention to the words that come out of my mouth mm-hmm. because words have so much power. So even if it's like, I want to say like, ah. you right. You know yeah, what? Like, I'm just gonna keep just, it to yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I've, I've grown and I've understand a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that I went through was my fault. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so easy to say it was that, or it was her or it was him or I, everything was you. So mm-hmm. everywhere you was at, you know, they always say wrong place, wrong time. You knew why you was there. Mm-hmm. Maybe nobody else in the world knew what you was. You knew. You knew mm-hmm. what your intentions was. Uh, one of my favorite books is, is Thoughts or Things by Prentice Mulford. Uh, and it says that think of, think of something where you were doing it with uh, ill-advised intention, like when mm-hmm. you were trying to get over on somebody. Yeah. And then think about when you did something just out of the goodness of your heart. Mm-hmm. You know the way you feel different. Yeah. You know the way you think. And to hear that in the book, I think that book was written like 1910 or something. Wow. And it's like, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you moving with ill intentions and I had to think back on my life and realize, man, most of the times that something bad happened to me, mm-hmm. it did not happen while I was doing something bad. Yeah. That's why it caught me off guard. <laughs> but I had to think about what I was doing six months ago. Yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> and so like, now Damn. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. Now still? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm like, man, everything I'm giving out, I want to push, push positivity out. Yeah. I want to push love. I want to push peace. Mm-hmm. I want harmonious situations because mm-hmm. I never have to worry about what's coming back my way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you're putting out gifts, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, I just grow to realize everything is cause and effect. So everything mm-hmm. that you see in your life visually is an effect of something that priorly happened. Yeah. So I'm just really cautious of everything I'm doing. I'm not mm-hmm. burning, no, I'm not being disrespectful, I'm yeah. not being rude, I'm not cutting nobody off, because mm-hmm. I don't know what energy can come back my way, energy and whatever keyboard. comes my way, I want to keep it positive and keep mm-hmm. it free-flowing for me and my family. Wow. I mean, so my next question was going to be, if you had... Um, a room full of kids just listening to you, give them one piece of advice. What you just said is a perfect advice, but do, if, if you had that situation where there's a bunch of kids just waiting for you to give them one, one, one um, advice that could impact their entire world, like worldview in general, like what would that be? You become what you think about. Facts. Uh, you know, James Allen, as a man thinking, your mind is mm-hmm. a garden. And so I, I, I would try to get, you know, even for myself, mm-hmm. think about, where you wanted to be in life. Like, for instance, like I said, when I was 17, my mom was evicted out of our house for Section 8. Mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted that house again. I mm-hmm. drove past it a few times. Yeah. So I planted that seed in my head, mm-hmm. and now I live in that house with my family. Yeah. And I think we all, as young boys, instead of paying attention to the impoverished situation we're in or the single mother situation we're in or the, yeah. the lack of whatever, think about what you want. Yep. You know, everything that I've been reading and all, you know, whether it's biblical or spiritual, mm-hmm. if you focus on the negative, you're going to attract more negative. Yep. So you've got to train yourself to focus on the positive no matter mm-hmm. what condition you're in. You know, whether yeah. you're sitting in the jail cell, you're sitting in isolation, you're sitting in meditation, you mm-hmm. know, 
picture yourself in a rose garden, you know, yep. picture yourself in that mansion that you want or, mm -hmm. or live in your ideal situation, you know, manifest it into your life. But yeah. you can't think about it once, you know, for 10 minutes every and six then, months, yeah. think it's going to happen. You know, you got to yeah. really drill it into your head and then start mm -hmm. living that way. And then living unfortunately it'll be that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, thank you so much, Johnny. Like we've, we've like talked uh, about so many different like areas that like adds up to a kid in general, but you being the perfect example of someone who like went through all these things, but here, here you are doing things. I mean, the fact that you can even pass a bill, yeah. like a lot of people don't even know <laughs> what the heck is a bill. Like right. how do you go by passing that? So, I mean, a huge congrats on that. I would love to see that bill. Now that I am aware of it, I'm going to add that on my projects as well, just to like raise awareness of, uh, of that bill because that's something that i wasn't aware so i'm super honored that you even came here number one you like let us know that you're about to be uh another uh, i mean you're about to have another kid yeah. on the podcast <laughs> that's like a special this is a special um podcast episode by the way so yeah uh we're gonna cut it here but before i go out you know i just want one anyone listening that you know it is possible to like go through like a form of mental illness and be able to become who you want to be. You know, you just have to be open to accepting yourself for who you are. And, and that's the only way that you can actually acknowledge all the things that are not right or all the things that you, you need to change because it starts with us. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what you look like, what, you know, where you're from, you know, it is possible to have a stutter and, you know, grow up in a, a, a very anxious space or your environment telling you that you know you can't do this you can't do that you just have to be honest with yourself and get out of that space in order to become who you you uh, are supposed to be or meant to be so johnny thank you so much for um stopping by the freedom project and you know i look forward to like doing more things with you for sure because it sounds like we have similar paths here, okay? <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, again, this is the Freedom Project, and I'm your host, uh, Ibrahima Abraham Cisse. Uh, just a quick background. The Freedom Project is a, is a documentary series that talks about different aspects of mental illness. You know, we're using social problems to address mental issues in general, and this podcast is just a more, like, raw and more honest version of what we are trying to accomplish in video form where it, where we can actually you can hear me stutter you know you can hear, you can actually see me struggle as i talk which means that i am still you know in the works even though i am a lot better than who i used to be um two years ago so yeah um i'm going to cut it here and i appreciate anyone listening uh you can find us anywhere online on social media and johnny where can people find you if they want to you know get in touch and like call you or, or even work with you in general okay uh Instagram, Johnny Calloway Sr. Um, that's J-O-H-N-N-I-E-C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y-S-R. Same on YouTube, Johnny Calloway Sr. Um, Twitter, Johnny Calloway. Facebook, Johnny Calloway. LinkedIn, Johnny Calloway. Um, yeah, I'm you, everywhere. You're like branded. Yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, you make sure that you go out and follow Johnny. And um, uh, this is the Freedom Project again for the 5,000 time. And yeah, you take care. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>